Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. In recent weeks, we started uh, a few weeks ago talking about our union with Christ And then we uh, drifted back into the first chapter of Ephesians the last couple of weeks talking about the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the things that, that we need to understand as a church, that we would have revelation knowledge, spiritual insight on. So we talked about that a couple of weeks, and, and I think even on this past Wednesday night, of course we did. But uh, today I want to go back to the original theme, and there's a reason for this. So the Lord just prompted me to draw attention uh, to uh, chapter 6 and verse number 17. Verse 6, verse number 17. Chapter 6, rather, verse number 17. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. We've talked about the fact that when you were born again, remember 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is the work of a brand new creation. And we pointed out the fact that when you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, Jesus not only came into your life to save you as an example and to, and to be with you through the person of the Holy Spirit, but you were actually recreated and became a brand new person on the inside. And that new man is not at all, not even a little bit related to the old man. Now on the outside, the body didn't change, your appearance didn't change, and it takes time for our mind, the soulish realm, to get renewed with the word of God. But instantly, when you received Jesus as Lord, you became a new person. Actually, a, 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 a particular and specific creative act of God took place just as distinctive as any of the other creative acts that God has ever performed, on the inside of you, he created a new man. Glory to God. Well, that new man that was created, that new person, the new you, was created. He wasn't just created in isolation out here, you know, in in wherever you were when that was happened. You were actually recreated, but in union with Christ. You became you became part of Christ. He created a new man in union with himself. Now this verse here says that he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Now we know that the Lord Jesus is a man. He's God, the, the son, of course, but he's also a man. There's a man at the right hand of the father. The resurrected Lord, resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, he's an individual, he has, a, he has his own distinct spirit. He has his own distinct body, resurrected body. And he is seated at the Father's right hand in all authority. He's been exalted to a place of super preeminence in, in heaven at the throne of God. And so he is a distinct individual, a person. But in the spirit we have been joined with his spirit. Our spirit was created in union with him. 
Now, how in the world did that happen? I have no earthly idea. I don't fully understand it, but it doesn't keep me from rejoicing in it. Doesn't keep me from thanking God for it. Doesn't keep me from, from uh, taking advantages of the, advantage of the benefits of it. Because I know I'm one with the Lord. We pointed out the fact that we were crucified with Christ. When Christ Jesus went to the cross, you went to the cross with him. You were there. You weren't there as a spectator. Everybody else there that day was, you know, they were just watching. But you went with him to the cross. That's what the Bible said. Well, I don't understand that. Well, join the club. Neither do I. But the point is, we were, we were so one, made one with him. We were made one with him in every feature of his redemptive acts. He, he, he went to the cross. We were placed on that cross with him. He died, we died with him. We were placed and joined into his death because he didn't go to the cross for himself. He went there for me and you. He didn't die for himself, he died for me and for you. Well, we were placed into him. So we died with him there. But how many of you remember Jesus didn't stay dead? Glory to God. Amen. Three days later, the Holy Spirit quickened the spirit of Jesus and he was, and he was made alive in spirit. Well, we were made alive with him. When, when, he was, when he was thrown out from the presence of God, that's where we were. He took our part. We were there with him. But when he was made alive, we took his part. Glory to God. We were quickened. We were made alive at the same moment he was. I don't know how that happened. I wasn't even alive back then. I don't either, but it happened. Praise God. God, God has a, God has power that's greater than my wife. I often talk sometimes about my wife's memory. I say my wife's memory is so powerful it can go back and change history. Because I'll remember something happened in a particular way. I'll say something and I'll say, oh, yeah, this is what happened. She said, no, it didn't happen that way. I said, I know it did in my mind. I can remember it's, it's happened this way. She'll say, no, it didn't. Then she starts describing the scene. She has what's called an eidectic memory, if you want to look that up. She remembers things by, by her uh, remembering incidents. She pictures the things in her mind. She remembers She'll say, no, whatever, you know, I'll say something happened, you know, in 1970 something. She'll say, no, we were on the way home. We had visited so-and-so in the hospital and we were on the way home. We stopped by the store and I bought this blue dress and she'll give me all the details. And then you said, and I said, and while she's talking, I'm going, oh yeah, <laughs> she did it again. She went back and changed. I saw it one way and she changed history. <laughs> well, God is greater than my wife. He, he, he doesn't live in the realm of time. I don't know how I was born in, in 1952, but went to the cross with Jesus in AD 32. I don't know how that happened, but it happened. God placed me in Christ, in union with Christ, on the cross, in his death, but also in his being made alive, I was made alive with him. And not only that, after he was made alive, he was raised from the dead, glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. Well, I, when you and I were raised from the dead with him. We came out of that tomb just as sure as he did with new life, praise God. A fresh, new creation life, glory to God. We were raised with him but also says that we were seated with him. That if we were seated with him, well, how did, he, how did he manage to be seated? He had to ascend into heaven. Well, in the spirit, we've ascended with him into heaven. We've been seated with, we're seated right there with him. 
just as sure as Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, you're sitting at the right hand of the Father. Glory to God. I thought you were sitting here. No, we're sitting at the right hand of the Father. Amen. Glory to God. Well, you know, it. it uh, I've been playing with this idea, you know, turning it over in my mind for a couple of weeks. Well, what is the, what is the significance of being one with Christ? Is it just a, a, a really neat theological truth that we just want more revelation on so we can just understand it, you know, and it's just so, it's just so marvelous and just so wonderful to think about? Is that it? Or no, that, as marvelous as it, is, as it is, the most important thing is the impact it has in our life. What does it do? What does it mean? What is the result? What is the outworking of the fact that we're one with Christ? It's far-reaching. It's far-reaching. If you have been joined to Christ, made one with him, brought into vital union with Christ, then you are a joint participant in the covenant God the Father cut with Christ. If those of you, those of you who were here a few weeks ago, when uh, uh, Pastor Craig Field was here, he taught so eloquently and so well on the covenant that when Abraham, when God cut the covenant with Abraham, Abraham, uh, he didn't walk in between the animals that had been slain as a covenant partner would do. Instead, there was a flaming torch that came down and passed through uh, the blood and the animals that had been separated on either side. Jesus himself came down and that was that flame and he walked through uh, that corridor of blood and, and destruction. He took all of the curse that was due upon himself should he ever fail. He took, he offered all of the blessing that God would have. He received the blessing as a covenant partner with God. This was a pre-incarnate visitation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wasn't, he wasn't there in physical form. He was in there in the, in the form of this fire that passed through. In, in Galatians, turn with me to Galatians chapter three. Galatians chapter three. Glory to God. Galatians 3, and let's look at, let's start in verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Now I'm reading out of the New King James, and I know many of you are. The older King James, that word seed has a little s. But other translations, not just the King James, but other more modern translations capitalize that word seed. And if you read the rest of the verse, then you'll understand, you'll understand why. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say and to seeds as of many, that is plural, but as of one and to your seed who is Christ. The promises that God made to Abraham, he really made to Christ through Abraham. Abraham was just a human representative. God made a covenant with him, but the covenant was really with, with Christ who was yet to come. So God entered into covenant with Christ. Now let's continue reading. I say this, that the law, 
which is 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in union with Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions. Notice, till the seed should come to whom the promises were made. You see that again, that the promise, all of the blessings of the covenant were made to Christ. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the, now you stop right that and say, well, that's a mean thing for God to do. This God has confined all of us under sin. But notice what the purpose is. That the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to all who believe. Glory to God. We were all confined under sin, but we all, when we, ha- we all have the same chance to believe. Glory to God. The promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. That means the promise of the covenant, all of the blessings of the covenant are given to those who believe. Before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would after be, afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under, to, under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as of you as were baptized or placed into Christ, into union with Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. Or you could say any other division known to man. There is no difference for you are all one in union with Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you've been joined to Christ, made one with him, brought into vital union with him, then you are Christ's, you are Abraham's seed, you are heirs to the promise of God. For you are all one in Christ. Hallelujah. Verse 26 says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Even you ladies are sons of God. (laughs) We're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now go with me over to Romans chapter eight. Oh, hallelujah. Romans chapter eight. And let's look at verse number 16. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit. How many of you have the witness of the Spirit that you are a child of God? Thank God we have that witness on the inside of us. The Spirit, we didn't just manufacture it, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. If we're sons of God, we're heirs. If we're children of God, we're heirs of God. My sons are my heirs. 
as, as God's children, we're heirs of God. That means something. But it even goes further than that. Because, you see, my son's not going to get my stuff till I die. But we're not, we're not waiting on something because we're heirs of God. We're joint heirs with Christ because he did die, but he didn't stay dead. God raised him from that. He's the only person that ever died and then came back to enforce the covenant that he signed. Every other person that's ever left a, a will to somebody, they died and an attorney had to work it out. Jesus came back just to ensure that every provision of the last will and testament that was signed in his blood would be ratified, would we have access to it, he would defend it, he would be in, stand in our place, praise God, to make sure we are, we, that we access every provision of it. If children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint Heirs with Christ. A joint heir is an equal participant. An equal heir. A co-heir. That means everything that belongs to Christ this day on September the 4th, earth time, year 2022, whatever belongs to Christ now, today, everything that's his, as he sits at the right hand of the Father, is mine and yours. There's not a provision of the covenant that you don't have a claim to. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. You're here in Romans chapter 8. Go down to verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? I like to answer it this way. A lot of people can be against me. Tax men can be against me. People can be against me. Sickness can be against me. My spouse might be against me at some moment in the time. But who are they? Who are they? If God's for me, who can, get, who can be against me? Well, just name them all. And then think of who's for you. <laughs> if God is for me, well, leave my wife out of this. If God is for me, then all of the people who might be against me are nobody. I mean, they're nobody. Not compared to God being with me and for me. Oh, hallelujah. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son. He's talking about the father. The father did not spare his own son, but delivered him up, that is on the cross, for us all. Now, this next question is so powerful. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The answer is he can't not give us all things. So kind of a twisted, you know, uh, constructed question. How can he not? The answer is he can't not. 
He can't not give us freely all things. Well, God can do all anything he wants to. No, he can't. There's something he can't do here. He cannot not give you the provisions of the covenant. Because to do so, you're joined to Christ. You're one with Christ. Christ is the recipient of all the promises. You and I are joined to him. If God refused to give you any benefit of the covenant, he'd be tri- be tri- he would be depriving that of Christ himself and he can't do it because they're in covenant. Because Jesus never broke the covenant. He kept the covenant. Therefore, he is a rightful heir of all of the provisions and he brought us into it. So then if you've been joined to Christ, if you've been made one with him, if you've been brought into vital union with him, then you're a joint participant in the covenant God gave the Father or cut uh, God the Father cut with Christ. That means you are authorized to take advantage of every blessing of the covenant. Well, let that sink in. You are authorized to take, to take advantage of every blessing of the covenant. Let me read some, some translations. Turn with me to uh, Colossians 1.12. Colossians 1.12. Older King James says, giving thanks to the Father who has made us meet. M-E-E-T, meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and the light. The uh, New King James, turn over there. New King James says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. If you've been joined to Christ, you're authorized and qualified to take advantage of every facet of our inheritance. Some other translations say, the Bruce translation says, who has fitted us to receive. Weymouth's translation said, has made us fit. That's what that means. Bruce translation said fitted. Weymouth's translation says, has made us fit to receive. Translation, uh, uh, Translator's New Testament says, fit to take your place. God has made you fit to take your place. Hallelujah. Barclay translation says, you will be ever grateful to the Father who has made you fit to receive your share of the inheritance. You know you're fit. Sometimes we don't feel like we're fit. Sometimes we don't feel like we're, like we're qualified. But you see, you didn't qualify yourself. You didn't qualify yourself. You didn't qualify yourself to get saved. I don't know about you, if you've been raised in this church, you, you haven't been raised with this culture, but in the church that I was raised in, we, we were taught through the, we had, we had a, a, a little bit of a confused concept of, of sanctification. We've, we were taught that when you got saved, you became a new creature, you were born again, everything was new. We got, we, they didn't really major on that a whole lot, didn't really explain it a whole lot, but we believed in the new birth. But then we believe that in order to really enjoy the blessings of God, you had to be sanctified. Now that's true, but the process was not true. 
in our particular culture, the process of sanctification was getting all the wrinkles out. You know, working, working on yourself until you got all of, got all of your, all of your, uh, uh, natural things and, and fleshly things worked out of your life until you reached a certain level of holiness. And when you reached that level of holiness and sanctification, then you could receive all that God had. But you know, the problem is when you got born again, God sanctified you. Now, there is, a, there is an ongoing sanctification, but the, the word sanctification primarily means to separate and set apart for God. The primary meaning of sanctification is, is not just holiness, that's one aspect of it, but in the believer's life, our, our sanctification in the sense of our holiness has already been accomplished. There is a place in our walk with God where we separate ourselves more and more to his plan and his will for our lives. That's just a process of maturity. But you're, you didn't give anything up to be born again. You didn't stop sinning. You didn't stop drinking or, or taking drugs or having you know immoral sex outside of marriage. You didn't give any of that up. That's not what got you saved. You didn't, you didn't stop being a bad person in order to be saved. What did you do to get saved? You believe. What does the Bible say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You confessed his lordship over your life in your rotten, sinful, disgusting condition without any change taking place in your life, without giving anything up, you just put your faith in Christ, boom, you were transformed into a brand new sinless person united with Christ. How in the world did we come up with the idea that having been saved and made righteous with God and joined with Christ, then we would have to do a bunch of cleanup action. Clean up on aisle six, you know. We gotta clean something up in order to get God's blessing in our life. It says, I, Barclay, let me read this again. We pray that you will be ever grateful to the Father who has made you fit to receive your inheritance. Williams translation says, just like the New King James, it is God who qualified you to share in your inheritance. You didn't qualify yourself. Church, Christian, believe you are qualified. You are qualified. God qualified you. Now I know sometimes you don't feel qualified. That's when you have to square your shoulders in faith and say, you know what, I'm a child of God. Now, now you, can't, you can't let sin reign in your life by your own actions and have this kind of faith. Sin will rob you of faith. It'll, it'll bring you a cloud of condemnation over your head and you, and you won't have the faith to do what I'm talking about. But how many of you have learned that when you confess your sins, he is faithful and just. There he is faithful again, ever faithful. Faithful and just to forgive you of that sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. At that moment, at the moment of confession of your wrong, your faith is ready to lay hold because you've been qualified. 
You've been qualified. Hallelujah. The WAN translation says, has made it possible to claim. God made it possible for you to claim your share. The Fenton translation says, it is the Father who brought us into the partnership of the inheritance. We have a partnership. Joy is, this is another translation, joyously thanking the Father who qualified you for your share. Barclay qualified you. I'm just saying the Barclay translation says qualified. Uh, Living Bible said to share all the wonderful things that belong to those who live in the kingdom of light. There's a couple of translations here. It says God is God who has made us worthy. Made us, well, you say, well, now you're, you're, you're going too far, Pastor. I know one is as, as unworthy as I. Oh, no one, I'm just so unworthy. No, you're in unbelief. That is flat out unbelief because Jesus made you worthy. I remember that vision, Brother Hagin said, when he, Jesus first appeared to him, he got down on his hands and knees and put his face down on Jesus' feet and said, oh, just real religious, you know. And this, we were taught everybody was supposed to say this, you know, if you even talk about the Lord. No one, Brother Hagin said, no one as unworthy am I as I am is, is, is worthy to look upon your face. Jesus said, real stern to him, get up. Stand upright on your feet. And Brother Hagin said he said it with, with you know, with, with real stern. Stand upright on your feet. Well, Hagin stood up, you know. He looked at him and said, I have made you worthy. Glory to God. Woo. You're worthy to receive your check. Not in anything you've done, but Christ made you worthy. Hallelujah. Several translations say that. Another translation says, he made you sufficient. Another translation said, he made you able, you're able to receive the things he has prepared for you. You're able. And then the one, I save this to last, this particular one, because I didn't know if you were ready for it yet. I didn't want to, I didn't want to stir up religious devils before I'd already knocked them out of the room. Goodspeed says, thank God the Father who has entitled you to share the lot of God's people in the realm of light. The Father, all of these, if he made you fit, then he entitled you. If he made you worthy, he entitled you. If he qualified you, he entitled you. Now, I know we live, in, we live in an entitlement society. Get away from those thoughts because that's, that's, that's a bunch of people who are claiming things that don't belong to them. But God entitled us to take advantage of everything he's prepared for us. That's why it's so important that you understand that you are literally, not just theologically, not just, just in conceptually, but you as an individual, you are literally one with Christ. And he qualified you. He made you able. He provided all that you need for you to lay hold of every. Every detail 
of the covenant. Oh, glory to God. Ooh, Jesus. What a wonderful Savior. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, marriage was established uh, to picture and typify the believer's union with Christ. We won't take time to read it, but you know what the scripture over in Ephesians chapter five, he was talking about the believer's union with Christ. He said, I, 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 or, or about the, uh, a husband and wife's union. He said, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. Marriage was given to humanity all the way back in the garden of Eden. When God took from Adam's side and, and, and made Eve, she came from him. She was one with him. God did that way back then with the new creation in view. Because one day, from the side of the Lord Jesus Christ, God would pull the church, one with him, glory to God. He took the church out of Jesus' side Hallelujah. But you know, when you're, when you're married, everything that belongs to one belongs to the other. Everything that belongs to my wife belongs to me. Everything that belongs to me belongs to her. Amen. Now, I know, some, I know some, some people don't live that way. Some couples, you know, have different income streams and they bank differently. And one says, well, I, you know, I'll buy the car and you buy the, the other car and and uh, our no, I'll have my name on this. And you, you know, uh, you can do whatever you want to. But the image of God for marriage, the intent of marriage is for a man and woman to be one, to share all of life together. Everything that belongs to one belongs to the other. Glory to God. Well, everything that belongs to Christ belongs to you. Amen. The devil could not possibly have any claims. Number one, if you've been joined to Christ, number one, you're a joint participant in the covenant. That's the first thing that our union with Christ does. And I don't have time for the others. Hallelujah. I was going to start the second one, but we'll, we'll just wait. Praise the Lord. Let me read this. This from uh, uh, Stephen Neal wrote this back in 1963. He, he read, he, he, it, it's not really a, so much a translation as it's commentary on these verses. And so I want to get down to the part. So this is a picture of what he has done for you. When you could do nothing for yourselves, he gave you the capacity to claim and to enjoy your share. He first of all talked about that, that in the old covenant, God gave the people of God the right to claim their inheritance. So he said, when you, in this new covenant, when you could do nothing for yourself, he gave you the capacity to claim and enjoy your share in another land of promise. Not now the mere visible and physical land of Canaan, but the realm of light in which God himself dwells in which he has given his faithful people as their portion in their inheritance. Capability. You have the capability. Glory to God. Well, let me just 
finish these last few. Minutes with verse 13. We got a minute? Verse 13 says, He has delivered us from the authority of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Now, th- let, this, let this work on you for a minute. Let this work on your heart. He has delivered us out of the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son. He has rescued us from the tyranny of darkness. He has written another that was Wayman's translation. Barclay says, He has rescued you from the grip. God rescued you from the grip of the power of darkness. Every claim the devil had on you, every hold he had on you, God rescued you and translated you out from the control, out from the grip of tyranny. Hallelujah. Goodspeed says he rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Louise translation says he delivered us out of the tyrannical rule of darkness. If you you wrestle with things in your walk with God that just seem to have a grip on you, your, your only hope, listen to me, your only hope is to get revelation knowledge of this. Your self-effort to clean yourself up will not carry the day. It will not. may give you some relief for a while, but it will not. It is not your answer. Your, your, let me say it again. Your self-effort, thank you, Lord. Your self-effort, your self-effort is not the answer because it will not be enough. But to, get a, a, to, to feed on these verses until, just feed on them. Hour after hour after hour, not all at the same hour, you know, consecutively, but just go back to them and feed on them and and ask for this spirit of wisdom and revelation. But feed on these things and feed on these things. It'll begin to take shape on the inside of you. Glory to God that you really have been delivered out of the tyrannical rule of the darkness. Another translation says, out of the jurisdiction of darkness. You know, if, if you're under somebody's jurisdiction, that means they have control over you. Well, you, we're out from under the devil's jurisdiction. Because, because you see, in, in, in Florida, I'm not under the jurisdiction of Georgia. Because I'm not in Georgia. I'm in Florida. I'm under the jurisdiction of, of Florida. Well, I've been, I've, I'm not in the kingdom of darkness anymore. I'm not under its jurisdiction. I've been brought into this land. I've been brought into the new kingdom, the kingdom of Christ. I'm under the jurisdiction of Christ. Hallelujah. He rescued us from the power of darkness, made us free from the power of evil, delivered us from the authority of darkness. Just a lot of different translations saying the same thing. And made us citizens in the kingdom of his beloved son. We, we were in another kingdom. Not only were we in another family, we were in another kingdom. Before you got saved, you belonged to another kingdom. And, and you were under the dominion and the tyrannical uh, jurisdiction of that kingdom. But God didn't just take you out from under that control and just separate you and leave you hanging up here in no man's land. 
He put you into a new kingdom, a different kingdom, the kingdom of his dear son. The, 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 the new King James says the son of his love. Several translations read it that way. Translated us into the kingdom of the son of his love. I, for some reason, I, I kind of like the older King James, his dear son. I like it better. But the point is, in the, in, the, in the Greek there, in the writing, it's talking about how this is not just the kingdom of Christ, period, and the, the end of sentence. The kingdom of Christ is the kingdom of his dear son, the son of his love, the, son that he, the kingdom of the son that God loves beyond anything else in the universe, anybody else in the universe. That's the kingdom we've been put into. That's the jurisdiction we're under. That's the dominion we're under. Glory to God. How in the world could the devil have any claim? Any claim on us? Hallelujah. He transferred us to the dominion of his son, the object of his love. He created a place for us in the kingdom of the son that he loves. You have a place in that kingdom. You're not a visitor. You're not a, you're not a, uh, you don't have a visa to stay for a while. You're, you're a citizen. Glory to God. You have a place. You belong in the kingdom of the son that he loves. He established us as citizens in the kingdom of his beloved son. He transplanted us. He's given us a place in the kingdom of the son of his love. Carried us, another translation says, this is this is this translation is called is called the plain English Bible. He carried us away into the kingdom of his beloved son. Took us out of that realm of darkness and just carried us away. Woo, glory, and planted us in the kingdom of the son of his precious love, never-ending love. Carried us the, the two kingdoms aren't side by side. <laughs> one is way over there and one is way over here. I mean, we might be in cohabitating the same earthly space, but there's all, there's all the difference and all the division of the world. Remember what the, remember what the Lord said to, to, to the rich man? He said, there is a great gulf fixed between the two. And you can't go from one to the other and the other from, to back to the one. It, it's just too far. It can't happen. The devil can't reach into this kingdom. The devil can't reach into this kingdom. He can't get here from there. He can't access where we are. There's no way he can manage the trip. He's not up to it. He doesn't have the capacity. Oh, glory to God. I love that. He carried us away into the kingdom of his beloved son. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read, I saved this for the last because this is not really a translation. This is, this is what's called a paraphrase in its most extreme form. And you know how my, my stand is. I, like, I want to know what the Bible says, but sometimes paraphrases are just cute, you know. This is the, this is the cotton patch translation. There is a translation called the cotton patch. And uh, let me find it again. It's under Jordan. Yeah, there it is. That's not it.
Oh, yeah. It was the Father who sprang us from the jailhouse of darkness and turned us loose in the new world of his beloved son. <laughs> oh, glory to God. We've been sprung from the jail, jail what to say, jailhouse of darkness. We've been sprung, church, glory to God. We've been, we've been brought over to, to a new land, just turn loose, just turn loose, just turn loose in the kingdom of the son of his love, glory to God. That means we have, we just go anywhere we want to in this kingdom. We're not shackled, we don't have any, 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 any uh, 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 bonds holding us back. We don't have to report back in the old kingdom periodically to check in and see how we're doing. Glory to God, we've been sprung, we're free. We're free, church. Glory to God. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Does it matter a little bit that we've been brought into union with Christ? Is there a benefit? Does it really mean anything? Or is it just theology? No, it's reality. It is reality. Oh, glory to God. It's reality. Yeah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory, 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 glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Father, I pray that we may all have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in in ever-increasing measure. Have our eyes enlightened, Father. The eyes of our understanding enlightened to know to really know in our heart, glory to God, what really has happened to us, what really has taken place inside the the shell of this flesh with all of its limitations, the constantly wanting to draw us back. Something has happened that is otherworldly. It's beyond the, the, the realm of sense knowledge. It's beyond the realm of natural understanding. Father, may we lay hold of these truths in our heart and live expansively. Live without limitations. Live in full liberty and freedom in the kingdom of the son of his love, your love, Father. To walk about, move about with ever diminishing memory of the old kingdom, the old realm, the things of the past and the bondages of the past and the limitations of the past, the condemnation of the past, the sickness and the lack and the discouragement and failure of the past. Father, become more and more distant and more and more dim as we learn to live more and the reality of of where we are, who we are in Christ. Thank you for it, Father. I pray that, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you. Stumana esti. Stumana esti stora'a. Rere eshu rahalaha. Step out of the place that you're familiar with 
Step over into the realm that will become more familiar. Step over into the realm in your thinking. Step over in the realm in your actions, in your doing, and in your behavior. Step over into the realm that I've placed you in, in your natural daily lives, and learn to live from that realm. Learn to live from that kingdom. Learn to live from the kingdom of Christ rather than the kingdom of this world. And you'll see victory. You'll see joy. You'll see fulfillment. You'll see peace. You'll see life, pleasure, and prosperity. You, your family, your friends, and those around you will come and walk into this glorious light and be set free themselves. So go out and be doers of the word today and you'll receive the blessing. Hallelujah. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.